0: This is the official Caps Church Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Washington Capital fan? It's me, the Hockey Troll. I'm here with that snack, poly Cupcakes. Hello, we are here. Today we're going to be talking about the... John Scott tweet that talked about generational players in the hockey troll hip check. And obviously, I think you know where I lean. But if you don't, we'll let you know. And Polly, you're going to be talking about what? The Olympic roster
1: for men? Yeah. Team USA released their men's roster. And uh, we're just going to you know give you some highlights on it and talk about what our thoughts are on how competitive we think they'll be.
0: Absolutely. So... If you are new to the podcast, thank you for tuning in. Thursdays are generally kind of us. Uh, you're at our mercy when it comes to whatever we want to talk about and whatever strikes our fancy. And then Mondays are generally a uh, like kind of week in review and league news. So welcome. If you're an OG here, love you mean it. Love you mean it. Let's pop some tabs and get it going. What do you think, Pauly? Let's do it. One, two, three. All right, all right. So let's let's start this thing off. Nathan McKinnon, though. You ever heard of him? Yeah, once or twice. He says <laughs> that he doesn't think that it's cool that the All-Star game gets a requisite one-team sends one candidate. What do you think about that? He says it's not a participation award. It is an all-star game.
1: Well, I mean, I get where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially in, I mean, with a three-on-three, you have an even smaller roster. I mean, it makes sense that you would want the true all-stars there. I mean, that's the all-star game. It's not, here's our mid-season showcase of someone from every team. But um, Paul... I also understand oh, sorry. Go, sorry. You, I thought you were oh, done. Go Keep I on. also understand people's counterpoint that you want to engage as many fans as possible, and that's why you want someone from every team. Um, so, I mean, I understand the marketing and business side of it, but, I mean, his point is correct. Like it's the all star game, you would think you'd have the best guys there. Um, you know, and so in my opinion, you would have at the very least, you know, the the guys who are leading the points in scoring categories, the top goalies in those categories I mean, really it would it, when it comes to all star game, I would think you would just take the guys with the best stats. Right. Counterpoint, do you think that there's
0: not an elite player on every NHL team, no matter how shitty they are. I mean, look at the Islanders right now, the Metropolitan. They still have Matt Barzal. Um, they've got some decent goalies. You know, stats can be a little misleading due to how shitty your team is.
1: True. Um, and, you know, they're they're playing in the NHL, so they're all world-class hockey talent. But, you know, the All-Stars are the best of the best. And, you know, if even if that is the case, maybe... They could run some kind of, uh, advanced analytic and run the stats based on in comparison to your team's performance. And then maybe that would be the most accurate and fair way to get the best guys, uh, to, to take out that argument of, well, his team sucks. So that's why he's not getting points because no one can finish his nice passes. Well, if you could say, you know, comparatively because his team is scoring this many points. Now he's at the top of points with the guys who are winning games. Then maybe that would, uh, what's the word? Quell. Is that, a, is that a word? Quell yes, the is. argument. It is. It is. I think he used it. correctly. So, good job. Thank you. Thank you. Um, my parents paid a lot of money for me to get an education. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, uh, I'm still not smarter than you on a public education. But, um, <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there are valid counterpoints, but if I had to pick, you know, if, if you make this black and white, I think I agree with Nathan McKinnon.
0: Right, but what in life is ever black and white?
1: Uh, nothing other than colors on a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, the on-off switch. In your house? Or lights, maybe? I don't know. Um, and here's the thing. I know I get where he's coming from. I think it's a little um, tone deaf in today's society. But also, I think it's a, a valid point. Um, I would also say to Nathan McKinnon, though, no one gives a fuck about the All-Star Game, you diva.
1: <laughs> Who the fuck cares? True. And, you know, if you were going on on stats and you didn't have the, the player-voted captains... Uh, Nazem Qadri would probably have taken Nathan McKinnon's spot. Ooh,
0: yeah, Nate. So you better, you better cut the bullshit for you. Talk your way out of a the the illustrious all-star election, you know? Um, and you'd said, and I don't know if you did any research on this, I didn't, we didn't talk about it, but... Like, so what is the, is there a financial benefit for the players to go to the all-star game other than like, you know, I don't know, partying your ass off in normal times with the best players in the league and having a good old time going out to the bars and shit and eating and stuff, you know, cause um, you know, if there is, if there is money involved and that would be a nice little bonus for a rookie to split a million dollars, like, you know, 12 ways, you just walk around with 10
1: grand, you know? Uh, well, so I don't, I, I think the only benefit there is, is for the winning team and the all star, the, the MVP as far, I mean, I just did a quick Google search. Um, maybe people have it built into their contract to get a bonus if they make it, right. but I, I believe and, and that's probably – that's that's how they give the incentive to make it competitive. Right. But the, is, but I
0: mean outside of like bonuses, I mean like if you win the All-Star, the NHLPA or like the NHL gives you what for being in the All-Star game. Because obviously it's not enough for – there's not enough of a financial incentive for Ovechkin to be going to the All-Star game every year because how many has he sat out now? Four or five, I, I think. At least three.
1: Yeah, and he even takes uh, a suspension, which probably takes money from him. Yeah, right. Well, as far as I know, the only financial benefit is the winning team.
0: And what do they get? A million dollars to split. Amongst, like, 10 people,
1: 15 people? How many people are on an All-Star team? Um, 32 at least, right? Well, no, you know, because the three-on-three, I think... um, it might be 12 people. 7 forwards and 3 D and two goalies. Or maybe really? six forward. Yeah, I think it's six forwards, 3 D and two goalies. What? That's it? An all-star game? Three
0: lines of three. Yeah, I guess right. Wow. Um that's like 83 grand.
1: <laughs> Before taxes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, Polly. If I say, hey, you want to go play a three-on-three tournament? I'll give you 83 grand. What the fuck would you say? I'd say 50
1: grand after taxes. Yeah, I'm in. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't... I mean, I think that would be an insta-lock. You know, I think even you and your busy schedule would allow that to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. And, you know, for the younger players, it's a bigger incentive. And I think with... I believe with John Scott, they gave him all the money. His team did, right? If, if I remember correctly. Um, so if you're a young guy, you might have some of the people let you take their cut. Um, because honestly, if you're making a lot of money, do you want an extra eighty-three grand on your income tax?
0: <laughs> if you live in Florida, you do, right? Yeah. Or if you live in Zona. Yeah, if you're
1: a Vetchkin, it's just going to hurt you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Virginia income taxes, I'm sure, are fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, it, there are way more things to be upset with other than the fucking All-Star game. So, you know, I think I think McKinnon there is just kind of sticking up for his teammate, which I totally respect. You know, um, I think this would have been Kadri's first All-Star game. I think that at every team that he's been on, he's been overshadowed, not only by the other players on his team who are more studly, but also by his antics in the playoffs that have, you know, been a detriment to his team. So, and he's you know he hasn't just done that in Toronto. He did it last year with with uh, Colorado, didn't he? Um,
1: did he get he his did the last year or the year before? Yeah. I mean, I know he he did get himself suspended in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, so. You know, I think that having all of that in mind, that's probably what was running through McKinnon's head when he was getting defensive about Kadri there. And what an impact Kadri has had on the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, the guy is providing a ton of secondary help there. Yeah. Joe Sackick is
1: god mode as a GM.
0: Yeah. Dude, Joe Sackick's the type of person... He probably sacrifices, like, ten prospects in his, like, basement dungeon and drinks their blood ticket to, yeah. to get these uh these crazy moves that he's doing. I mean he's he's a ruthless, ruthless, absolutely ruthless on the trade deadline and he builds teams well. I mean he's done really well. Um as evidenced by the overpowered Colorado Avalanche this year the in the past five years. So good for him.
1: Yeah, and you know Joe Sackick, he's a great GM, but arguably as a player, he may have been generational talent. Yeah,
0: speaking of generational talent uh, and John Scott, I think we should just get right into the Hockey Troll Hip Check. What do you think? Let's do it. This is the Hockey Troll Hip Check. Caps fans, welcome to the Hockey Troll Hip Check. If you've never been here before, it's going to be a shit show. Recently, John Scott tweeted out, who is a generational player in the NHL active today? And I think that we really need to, one, I think there's a vast misunderstanding as to what a generational player is and then what a, because it's so ambiguous, the entire thing was just for clicks and clout. Uh, Much like John Scott's ill-advised uh, take on Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals saying that they're washed. Ovi's washed. He's not even going to get 30 points this year. Uh, total shit brain fucking move. Uh, I believe that John Scott has come out and apologized for that, rightfully so, but how fucking dare him even, even get close to that take? What
1: an idiot. And yeah, he- man, he, he obviously uh, burned all of his brain cells partying away that one million he got in the All-Star game.
0: <laughs> like, what kind of hard, illicit drugs do you need to take to fucking take that, to, to say that? Uh, first of all. Second of all, you know, John Scott touted himself, I got an engineering degree from, I don't know, whatever fucking school he went on. Michigan he went Tech. To Michigan Tech. I got a, I got a, I got a... Engineering degree from Michigan Tech via Players Tribune, which you know, shout out Players Tribune, amazing content there to read, uh, real inside look, well edited, well produced, well written. Uh, you know, I think they do a really good job positioning these players as their authentic voice, along with editing for a uh, you know a user here. I mean, really good shit all around. Um, but you know he's out there during this time when he was voted to the uh, all-star game and then the you know, the league tried to like fucking bury him which that's a total shitbag move by the NHL you created these rules you dicks you better live up to them until it doesn't suit you and then you're gonna fuck off on this stuff and like bury him in the a- AHL and collude with the with the Habs to to delete John Scott out of this like you this is your bed lying in it right um But if you have any unfamiliarity with the John Scott drama, when he was an active player, uh, John Scott was a goon. I mean, I don't think that – in in the full sense of the word. Um,
1: One of the last. What's that? He's one of the last true goons.
0: Yeah. Um, And was he a bad hockey player? He would smoke my tits off and smoke – Probably most people who are listening to this podcast tits off uh, in real hockey every day of the week. It wouldn't even be a question. I don't care if you play D one.
1: Snipe in the All Star game.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't care if you play D one hockey. I don't care if you play junior AAA. John Scott is better than you as a hockey player, hands down, one hundred. You know, three hundred sixty five days out of the year. Um, But. The things that he's most noted for that I can remember John Scott in, is feeding guys knuckle sandwiches in the NHL and getting chopped on the ankle by pussy boy
1: Phil Kessel. Uh so that's his like claim to fame to me. Yeah. I mean I I'll never get over that Phil Kessel move. I I would love to have so much um pride in him as an American hockey player and as a fellow very overweight hockey player that scores goals you know i mean obviously he does at the nhl level and i do it in in uh, bottom tier beer league but um he's someone he's someone that i could really uh resonate with yeah except he you know instead of fighting he just started whacking and and you know i've said before one of my biggest uh you know things that upset me in hockey is when people use their stick as a weapon. Right. And uh, so I I can never reconcile that with Phil Kessel. But that is one of John Scott's most iconic plays of his career, I'd say.
0: Yeah, which was basically, hey, Phil Kessel, I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you. And Phil Kessel going, I'm going to be the biggest bitch in the world right now and cry while our big guys step in for me. And while you're fighting them, I'm going to come behind you and start hitting you with my stick in the ankle as hard as I can, like lumberjack swinging. Uh I lost all respect for Phil Kessel, didn't really prefer him, but always felt bad for him in Toronto as an American guy, being in that market, you know, constantly getting shit on by the Canadian fans. I could, you know, I could feel bad for him. Uh But then that happened and I was like, he deserves everything that he gets.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He deserves to be buried in Arizona.
0: <laughs> Ab- well, hey, you know what? There's lots of casinos out in Arizona. Tax-free money. Let's go. He, I mean, he wins. He he's you know, and you look at Phil Kessel. His career has been nothing but wins for him. You know, he 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 was life was a drudgery in Toronto to the tune of like what seven eight million dollars a year, in which they continued to pay him throughout like two years ago. Unless they're still paying him, then he goes to Pittsburgh, wins two cups, and then goes to Phoenix, or I'm sorry, fuck, uh, Arizona, where he gets to just gamble and be with Rick Tockett and they probably have like some clandestine gambling ring already in the works. Um, obviously this is all completely speculation. I'm totally talking shit, but, uh, so anyways, (laughs) if you don't know any of the things that we've talked about here, just Google them and we will, you'll, you'll be fully educated on everything and you'll get to see all the replays. It's well documented. Um, but John Scott recently tweeted who's a general generational player, and a lot of people had put, you know, OV, Crosby, McDavid. And then some people snubbed OB OV on that and said it was a franchise player. And I feel like franchise is secondary to generational. And I don't think Ovechkin falls in either generational or franchise player categories. I think that he is an all-time great of the NHL a talent in which this league and hockey at large has never seen. And the only comparable person that I could say would be a Gordy Howe. And so, you know, Gordy Howe, RIP playing hockey in the big rink in the sky, right? Was a insane talent. Obviously I never got to see him play, but reading about him and, you know, I mean, I think that he played hockey at the at the NHL level across eight, gener, eight generations, eight, 80 years, basically, or eight, eight, uh, into his like seventies or eighties or something. Like I remember he came back really old, like 50, 60.
1: Yeah. I think he played in, it was four or five different decades. Yeah, that's right. Um, Not eight. And I think there's, there's a, a picture of him playing for the Whalers and he's gray. So I think yeah. he was like in his 50s.
0: And he, he did that to play with his son. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Gordie Howe is was the player that was a physical dominator. He would put you into the boards just as hard as he would score goals. And he would score goals and make plays – all throughout this his whole career. I mean, obviously we're talking about who are the guys that are still above Ovechkin in the goal scoring category. Yeah, there's Gordy Howe. Um and you know, make your fucking bullshit. Era adjusted analytics, uh, era adjusted arguments, all you want. If you score fucking more than seven hundred goals in the NHL, you're fucking amazing. Uh half of you fucking bums probably couldn't score if I passed you the puck in front of the net, three feet off the crease. So Go fuck yourself on that. But I will say that John Scott's tweet really just was like, I was reading some of these responses and I was like, look, Ovechkin has transcended this argument at this point. He's 36. He's leading in points and goals this season. It's one of his best seasons ever. This has never been done. I don't I can't show me a case in which a player has been so dominant and his thirty-six year uh with already having the resume that Ovechkin has. No under twenty-five goal seasons, you know, no under I'm sure there's see I'm sure there's a stat out there, no under X amount of points. If you were to just take his literal season lowest, if you were to take him now, like the amount of points that he's scored now and put that across a five-year uh, span of an NHL career, that is a amazing NHL career.
1: Yeah, and I saw a graphic the other day of um, <clears throat> Gretzky and Ovechkin of when they scored their goals came before his 30th birthday. Right. Ovechkin has more goals since he's been 30 than before he was, the 12 years before, or the 11 years before. Really? In total? Yeah. What? Let me see if I can find it.
0: Well, and then you, you gotta think about the lockouts and Adam Oates era. But dude, he scored like sixty five goals in one of his seasons, like you know, his second season in the league, and scored fifty in the first. I would yeah, I would not be surprised if could... he's if he's close though.
1: Um, okay, here, uh, before, okay, I, I was a little off there. Um, he has not scored more since his 30th, but he scored more than Gretzky since Gretzky's 30th. So before they were 30, Gretzky had 706 goals, Ovi had 475. After 30th birthday, Gretzky had 188 and Ovi is up to 279.
0: Yeah. Um, that stat alone says a lot. Right, and then okay. So, what gives some credit as to what's the source here?
1: Oh shoot, I gotta go back. Um, yeah, the source was NHL Network. Okay. Um, so the
0: sustained dominance is something that the NHL has never seen before. and age thirty-six, and you know, Gordy Howe was a decent player when he was older and obviously viable as an NHL talent. But was he a top performer? Hmm. Not much. And also, I mean, he was a, he was a stud his entire career. Don't get me wrong. But like, was he league wide dominant? I'm not sure. You know, back then it was weird. There were only like 12 teams and, and things were completely different. Right. Uh, yeah. so it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison, but, that makes, I, th- I feel that stacks the chips way farther into Ovi's career uh, and, and how much better he is. than Crosby, McKinnon, McDavid, uh, fucking uh, Austin Matthews, Drysidle. Uh, I don't know. I mean, throw an aim at me, and I really just don't think that you can even compare. I mean, right now, Ovechkin has 26 goals. He's tied with Drysidle for the league lead, and he has 54 points. Insane. Uh, it's, it's a even split between, uh, goals and assists there. I mean, even on the assist category, he's, or almost even split, but even on the assist category, he's like two, three, four, five, six, seven. He's ninth. <laughs> he's top 10 in all this stuff. Another thing that I always go back to, especially when I'm talking to Berlansky of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network about, why Crosby is going to be just another penguin, a really good one. Don't get me wrong. But when we look back in 40, 50 years, when Ovechkin has that high, like the largest goals, the largest amount of goals scored ever, he's not going to be in the, in the same breath as Crosby, even though they played in the same era and everything. Right. And, you know, Lemieux and Gretzky played in the same era and I think that there's a clear definition between Gretzky and Lemieux. I think that there's Gretzky and Lemieux in that order. While Lemieux, if he could have stayed healthy and not gotten injured and, you know, not had health issues uh, with, with cancer and, you know, things like that, not that any of that is his fault, but if he could have stayed healthy like that, then maybe we'd be having a different story here, right? We've been talking about a different narrative, but that did that isn't what happened. And, you know, of course... Look, I'll be the first one to say, I respected Lemieux the hell out of Lemieux to fucking come back from retirement and dominate the league. I think that proved enough. And I think that he's a beyond generational player, just like Gretzky is. But I really only look at like three or four, you know, you've got Bobby Orr, you've got Gordie Howe, you've got... Gretzky, Lemieux, and Ovechkin. And I mean, that's like a, a, t- a 10 player deep list, maybe, that you can put guys like that in. Maybe like, um, Ken Dryden, um, in the goaltending position. Uh, Nick Lidstrom, maybe, you know, one of the best defensemen ever. Uh, you know, uh, another goalie would be, uh, fuck the Red Wings goalie that they did, uh, Terry Sawchuk, you know. Sawchuck, he's a guy that would probably be on that list, is all-time great. Uh, and, And, I mean, if you're snubbing Ovechkin from any of these lists, you're just a plain biased fuck. Like, there's no... They're objectively looking at this... I'm biased, obviously, towards Ovechkin, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I'll admit it. But if you're not including Ovechkin in the greatest of all time... I mean... Tell me
1: who's selling you the drugs, because I want some of them. Yeah, I mean, when you when you talk about generational talent, how can Crosby or McDavid be a generational talent when they both exist in the same generation? And Dreisaitl is very close to being McDavid's equal. So you think that so, a
0: generational talent should be every what ten years? And only one exists per 10 years?
1: I mean I, I mean, I I guess when you talk about career, it should be shorter than what a traditional generation is. So I guess 10 years is a good frame. Um, and I, I mean, I guess you have the ability to have more than one. Um, I don't know. I guess based on your argument, maybe those guys are generational talents, but it ends there. Right. They are the best, you know. They're the top tier of their time. I mean, I, I really don't think uh Crosby has proven himself to be that much more influential than Joe Sackick or. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of who the stud was with the Red Wings. Like Shanahan
0: time. or Eiserman or.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Stevie Watt. I yeah. mean, like. I think that Sakic and Stevie Y they're the same category as Crosby. I don't think he transcends them, and I think that Ovechkin, as long as he stays healthy, he is going to transcend everybody and right. be in that category of the best go- like the 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 best, the greatest, the highest goal scorer of all time, and. Yes, there's different era adjusted things and all that, but I I think it's harder to score goals in the NHL now than it ever has been. Even though you know you don't have the clutch and grab rules, I, I still think the game has made it harder for one guy to consistently score the way Ovechkin does. So maybe those guys are generational talent, but like you said, Ovechkin transcends that and you know, I was thinking as you were saying all this, you know, people always talk about the Mount Rushmore. Well, I think there's three locks for Mount Rushmore, and that's Gretzky, Gordy Howe, and Alexander Ovechkin. And then I think the fourth spot is up for debate between Lemieux and, uh, Bobby Orr. Uh, but I, I think Ovechkin is a lock on that. He's, he's heading towards being the greatest goal scorer of all time, and the fact that he's on the Mount Rushmore just, takes Crosby out of the conversation it takes McDavid out of the conversation unless McDavid can compete with Ovechkin's goal scoring record or maybe make himself second all time on the points list he doesn't deserve to be there at
0: least not yet right and and then on top of that i mean we're totally like negating all of the insane players who have come through the NHL. I mean, we didn't even mention Yager who, you know, you want to talk about ageless wonder. uh, He's one of those guys. Uh, You know, we're not talking about, um, you know, like Pavel Datsuk, who, who is incredible. You know, we're not talking about guy, you know, like the Britain Shanahan, the, like you said, Sackick Forsberg, Shanahan, Iserman, uh, you know, those type of players either. So, I mean, to say that, like, Sakic is comparable to Ovechkin is absolutely fucking wild to me. Like, what are you, what are you on? Right. Um, as m- much as I respect Joe Sakic, Peter's, For- Peter Forsberg, and also, you know, Shanny and, and Stevie Y, like, I, I just, I don't, I don't think they're in the same league as, as Ovechkin when it comes to talking about what is their impact on hockey and, how have they shattered records in such incredible form? Um, and don't get me wrong. both All of the players that we're talking about here are possess God-given skills, if you will, natural talent that us who've been playing hockey more in our lives than we hadn't, you and me, uh, could even... Even if you gave me a genie in a bottle and I spent all three wishes on becoming a better hockey player, I don't think I could even fucking get close to these guys. The, the, the guys that were, that were even considering to be second tier, right? Uh, much less Ovechkin. You know, it's, I compare Alexander Ovechkin to like a Mike Tyson. You can't teach punching power, right? You, you can't teach the left hook, a uh, left uppercut that knocks out everyone under the sun. You know, Mike Tyson punches you. He'll probably kill you with one punch, a normal human. Uh, and just like Ovechkin, you can't teach that shot that release. That is – that's – you have that or you don't and, you know, very few have it, right? Yeah. So, you know, I I guess this whole segment was more about, like, what the hell does people consider generational talent? And, you know, of course, John Scott puts this tweet out to stir this fucking pot, and I appreciate that. But at the same time, like, it's – there's not a clear – there's not clear parameters as to what this means, generational versus franchise versus greatest of all time. Uh, I think greatest of all time is probably reserved for like I like we said, you know, like Lemieux or I mean like like uh, Gretzky, OV, Lemieux, Bobby Orr, Gordie Howe, those type of players maybe, right? Uh I don't consider like at least at this stage is in their career and then it could change. McDavid, Crosby, Crosby, greatest of all time. They're good players. They're they're really good players. They've won. They've won a lot of cups. But that doesn't mean dick to me when we're talking about individual
1: individual talent, right? Yeah. I mean if you're going off of cups, then Marc Messier was better than Gretzky because he had yeah. one more.
0: Chris Kunitz is a three time cup winner with like three different teams, so uh he's obviously Patty better. Maroon. Pat Maroon. Uh yeah, Pat Maroon's just as he's got three cups now, right? Yeah, two different
1: teams. I mean you know, it takes it takes a real special leader and elite talent to win a cup on two different teams. I mean, I think the fact that he's got three cups on two different teams eclipses him over Sidney Crosby, who's got three on one team.
0: Absolutely, I would abs- I would. I think that's a good argument. To be completely honest, Brian Trottier, six cups. This man got with the Islanders and Penguins. Six cups, Brian Trottier. Anybody know who Brian Trottier is? If you, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know who Brian Trottier is, but is he in that Gretzky, Lemieux, Messier, Bobby Orr, Gordie Howe conversation? Not a fucking chance. I mean, Trottier was an incredibly skilled, speedy, tough, undersized forward. He was a good, was an amazing player. He's not in that same conversation with with Crosby and I ask why not, or McKinnon, or any of these guys, right? Why not? You know, if you are going to use that cup bullshit logic, then
1: yeah, there is all sorts of players that have won three cups. Uh, yeah, who, you can't move the you can't move the goalposts just because it fits your argument for certain guys and does for doesn't for others. Absolutely, no doubt, no doubt.
0: All right, well. I think the horse has been beaten dead and beyond. We love you, Ovi. You're the greatest of all time. You're the most historically important, <laughs> the most historically important player to that I've ever seen in my lifetime, and that I think that anybody who's, you know, living right now has probably ever seen. Absolutely. All right. Something else that you can see and take part in, though, caps, is the divisional round of the NFL playoffs in DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL is celebrating a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Betches $5 to get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash pri- or in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and you can get fifty-six to one odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be twenty one or older, New Jersey and NRPO only a new new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One for customer restrictions applies. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? call one eight hundred gambler. Ah, Polly, all of that uh all of that you know lust. Of that last segment and uh, and talking has really just made me hungry. I know you're hungry. I heard your belly uh, rumbling in our last uh, sound check. So
1: you got some? Yeah, for man. Me? I'll I'll serve it up. Hmm, it's snack time with Polly Cupcakes. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> well, Team USA has announced their NHL absent roster for the Olympics. And um,
0: let me let me just hop in real quick. This is as you've said, our most what is it? Our most uh rampant or oh, our or
1: our most intense form of patriotism.
0: Yeah, is USA hockey for both of us. So um really into USA hockey love the
1: international play so we're we're, we're dialed in absolutely um, and so you know as everybody's very well aware of now the NHL has opted out of the uh, the Olympics so as in 2018 the NA, or the team USA had to put together a team that does not have current players on an NHL contract, or at least not current NHL players, and uh, so I'm, I'm here to break it down, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So, you know, the roster has um, 13 NHL prospects, so 13 guys who have already been drafted, um,
0: but aren't signed. And that's the big thing. They haven't had a contractor. They're just drafted. So an NHL team owns the rights to them, but has not given them any money.
1: Exactly. Um, Fifteen are current college players. All right. And um, that leaves eight pros who play overseas. That's five in the KHL, two in the Swedish league, and one in the German league. And there are two AHL players now. Last time around, the roster was almost completely KHL and Swedish League and AHL guys, and I think they didn't like the result that. Well, yeah, imagine that. that. <laughs> yeah.
0: Tell it. Tell us uh, what the result was last time for people who don't know.
1: Uh, it wasn't good. They didn't qualify.
0: They didn't even so. qualify to play for a fucking medal. Like, it's not that they had a chance at a podium. They literally, after round-robin, were sent the fuck home.
1: Well, I think everybody plays one qualifying game.
0: Okay, well, okay, Um, you lost the qualifying game,
1: you fucking go home. They lost before they even had a chance to sniff the podium.
0: Right.
1: So, this time around, they decided to change it up a little bit. So, in addition to the 15 current college players, there's 10 pros, um... And only two are in the North American game. This entire roster, they have all gone through the college hockey system.
0: And when you so, say college hockey, do you mean NCAA? It's a
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Shout out NCAA. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you know, we've talked about before. Uh, I mean, I, I, I cover the NCAA every now and then. And we've talked about before how the NCAA is getting to the point where it's competing and being just as good at development as the juniors' programs. I mean, there's Canadians – there are a lot of Canadians who play college hockey. One good example is Kale McCarr. He went and played for University of Minnesota, and he left and then instantly hopped into the NHL and tore it up in the playoffs and then had a rookie year the next year. Okay, and let me just interrupt real quick
0: for hockey fans that may not know this because this is this is something that is not intuitive, Right. For other sports, college is the 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 highest amateur level of the said sport: baseball, football, basketball, uh, all of it. Really, um, college is the the highest amateur level. Previous to maybe what, Polly, Like five years? Last five? Maybe six, seven, eight years?
1: Maybe like five to eight years? Yeah, I mean, going back to our earlier conversation, I'd say. Prior to this generation of current NHLers, so you know, at the very most, ten years.
0: Yeah. The at at the at der, before this time, before that like ten year span, juniors was the highest level. So you look at players like Tom Wilson and a dude. Did you, I was just thinking about it the other day, and, and while I was I was reading an article about Tom Wilson. He's almost like been in a I, I, if not already, he's already been in the fucking league like ten years ish, ten ish years. Yeah, it's fucking That's nuts, crazy. dude. That is nuts. That just makes me feel old as shit. Um, but Tom Wilson was a guy who came from juniors, never played college. Canadian. Never played NCAA, never played in college, and got inserted into the Caps lineup at 19. So it's as recent as Tom Wilson, really, that NCAA at one point was not looked at as a developmental league for for the NHL. In fact, it was looked at as if you couldn't make the NHL from juniors, you were lucky – to get a full ride scholarship to get a college education in the NCAA, so the junior levels, which is age sixteen to twenty one, was the pinnacle of hockey development. There's the QHL, the Quebec Major Hockey League. There's the WHL, the West Coast, the West Hockey, Western Hockey League. There's the OHL, the Ontario Hockey League. And then there's the USHL, which is the United States Hockey League, which is all over the country. And and you know, at one time these were the main awesome feeders to the NHL for very young top tier talent. And of course there were if you were playing overseas, you would get to you would get to play like in the overseas pro teams and you could play pretty young on those teams, like in Germany and in Sweden, you could play when you were sixteen if you wanted and get paid like Austin Matthews like Austin Matthews like Stefan Bruner, who we've had friend of the podcast Steph and then you would get into the NHL now though this is super interesting to see this stat line that now the, the, the next stage of development past juniors is going more towards other sports and that's NCAA you're not only a student but you're a student athlete um, as well and you're going to move on to the next step and that's going to be the NHL uh, I do wonder why that is. Is it maybe because especially pulling fuel on the fire in the past few years, they've said that you can get paid to be an
1: NCAAer now? I mean, I think that'll be incentive for future kids, but I mean, that only just came through last year or two yeah. years ago. So, I mean, the, the shift was going before that even happened. Sure. So I just wanted to interject,
0: sorry, I didn't mean to fucking steamroll you here, but I think that that's an important thing because, you know, every, I think that if you grew up on traditional sports and you don't know much about hockey, uh, that is a one that was something that I always thought was so fucking weird about hockey. I mean, don't you agree?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it kind of was upsetting because I'm so used to college sports being, the, the main pipeline for every other pro sport.
0: Right. Okay. All right. Sorry. Didn't mean to, but it's definitely important because I know you're an NCAA
1: lover, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, well, and just one more thing on your point you were just making now that they are allowed to make money. It's not just money that's made from the team itself, players, athletes across all NCAA, they're not allowed to do all kinds of paid uh, sponsorships and and things like that. So people who are very big on social media can can take promotions from products and they can do all other forms of making money from the fact that they are an athlete. So even if the NCAA hockey players aren't making big money on what they bring into the program, these guys can go and going to do an ad for Hockey Monkey or something and Mm -hmm. make money while they're still playing college so that can anyone who may have picked juniors because they get paid uh, at least in the Canadian leagues now that can maybe sway kids who are up in the air trying to decide between the two
0: yeah and I mean the the money they take from juniors was minimal like junior hockey did not pay well and does not pay well it's, it's basically enough for you to like live with a sponsor family and go to school and get your high school education, which is requisite obviously to being a minor. Right. And then, yeah. you know, a lot of these guys had to have two jobs. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, but so, you know, back to the college boys, Um there are,
0: We might have lost Polly there on an on a internet connection, but you back? Are you have me? Yeah, I got you.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, Of the uh, players who are there, 14 NCAA programs are represented, whether it's current players or former players. Uh, so I just wanted to say which ones those are, and these are very uh, not surprising, I would say. Boston College, Boston University, Ferris State, Harvard, Miami of Ohio, Minnesota State, Saint Cloud State, Denver, Michigan, Minnesota, Minnesota Duluth, North Dakota, Nebraska Omaha. There you go, troll. And Let's Yale. go U and O. So you know, no surprise. A large portion of this is Boston and Michigan, which uh if you remember from miracle that was a quote you know, a lot of guys from Minnesota and Boston yeah but um you know it's it's pretty well spread out you know there's within those 14 teams there are uh, where is it there was a conference breakdown and now i can't find it <laughs> oh okay there are one, two, three, four, five different conferences that are represented. That's the Big Ten, which has five guys, NCHC, four, Hockey East, three, ECAC, two, and then CCHA is, has one. So this is a pretty spread out representation. It's It's definitely not focused on one or two programs. It's interesting that the Big Ten is so prevalent. Well, because of that, you know, so – Four of the five Big Ten players are from are Michigan players. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, and I mean that's well, that's just of the. I'm sorry, five of the current players are from the Big Ten. There's way more than that when you tally up the guys who no longer play anymore. Right. Um, And one guy is a returning Olympian, Brian O'Neill. He's the only one coming back from the previous team, and I mean, I guess they liked what they saw out of him first time around. Yeah, but he's um, he's a Boston
0: University guy, and, and that's that's you know, an interesting comparison to the women's team that seems to be pretty close knit and has like a core
1: that they've been running for twelve years. Yeah, so the women's team, because the, the pro game isn't developed as much as it is for men, the women's team is almost run like the U18 development program, where they basically just keep the same squad together year round. Yeah. And Team USA for the women's squad is it's like their pro team, their their home club team. So right. It's it definitely creates more continuity among the team, and I, I think if you watch the game I, I i think there's more chemistry with the women's team i think a big part of putting this team together is though they've they've played together a lot of these guys in the development program so there's they're they're familiar with each other and i think that is one big advantage compared to the last time around just putting together of who they thought were the best non NHL American pros. I think this <laughs> right. time they're, they're hitting at a little more chemistry and you know, the, the average age is 25.1 years old. Love it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, the youngest player is 19 and the oldest is 34. So this actually is really similar to the women's team. Their youngest is 19 and Hillary Knight is the oldest and she might be 34. Um, I know, I mean, it it actually looks very similar to the women's team in terms of those numbers. You compare it to the last gold medal Team USA won, and that average age in the Miracle on Ice was 22, so...
0: Wait, 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 wait. You know, maybe, the miracle
1: Miracle on Ice is the last time
0: the, the USA won a gold medal in ice hockey? It, in men's, yes. Oh my god. I didn't realize that. Yeah, so... Because I got silver uh, when fucking Sydney fucking shitbag Crosby banked off banked that just the shittiest goal ever off Ryan Miller yeah the golden goal if you will god fuck that guy fuck that guy so hard I fucking hate Sidney Crosby (laughs) as you know but every time we talk about the fucking Olympics that shit comes up and it just makes my hatred go deeper
1: well that's fair I mean I think it really is fair Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Um, for enabling my hatred. <laughs> the youngest player, that nineteen year old, is Matty Beneers, as many people will know. He was the Kraken's number two overall pick playing for Michigan. Uh the oldest guy is Pat Nagel, and he's thirty four. He's currently playing in the AHL for the Lehigh Phantoms. Fuck Lehigh. Uh <laughs> I think that's
0: Phillies. Phillies uh Farm teams, yeah. All right. Well, so I mean, what's your prognosis here? I am liking. I like it, dude. I mean, young, young, fast, and grindy. That's what I'm seeing with some top end talent mixed in.
1: Yeah, I mean i I like. I I think they're going to have more chemistry than the last team around. I think these guys are going to be hungry, and they've got experience already playing for Team USA. And I, I just think, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they I'm I'm not predicting a goal, but I think they'll make the final four and have a shot to play for a medal.
0: I looking at the I mean, tail of the tape, I would agree. Um, do we have any word on who's coaching this team?
1: Uh, yes, the coach is David
0: Quinn. That's right. That's right. David Quinn, former coach of the New York Rangers. Uh interesting that they it's an interesting pick because he just got fired, but it's not so uh brain dead in the sense of as we ha- as we talked to Andy Hammond here, he's a young players coach. Uh he the reason that the Rangers kind of got rid of him is cuz he wasn't being effective in the The overall, how to get the team from young development stages into win now stages, right? Win for the big thing. So that's my only drawback on David Quinn. Uh, But that is counteracted by his uh, his mysterious kind of aura around him and his stunning, you know, see through you blue eyes. So
1: yeah, and you know those those are a big part. You need that. You need that. it matches the, the country's colors. It's gonna yeah. look real good with the uh, the blue uniforms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you want you really need to have like a coach that's got this like mysterious kind of seething aura. Um, you know, I'm not gonna I wouldn't say like highly sexual, but like moderately highly sexual and then <laughs> the eyes that stare right through you with their with deep blue, bright blue type I don't know. I'm
1: just now I'm getting all sweaty. <laughs> uh, and just, just a, few more, a few more notes here um, Brian O'Neill, He is a Yale University grad He's playing He's in the KHL right now KHL with 33 assists And 11th in points with 42 Nice And then Kenny Augustina, Who's also a Yale graduate He is 7th in the KHL with 20 goals And 14th with 40 points so, you know, the fact that these guys are in the, the top 15 in the KHL, I think, bodes well for competing with the pros that will be playing for the other teams, and among the uh college guys, nine of them are averaging a point or more per game, and Nathan Smith from Minnesota State, is he has the most points in the NCAA, so... You know, these guys are, are tearing it up with comparable competition. And I I really, I have a lot more faith in this roster than I did in 2018. And I would be surprised if they don't make the Final Four or at least come close to making the Final Four.
0: Okay. We heard it here but first. I, think, I mean, you can't get any worse. In two, 2018 was a total dumpster fire. I think anybody who knew hockey understood that, you know, Tortorella. Like, I mean, the whole ideology around like what international play is was dumb as shit, and the NH or the the lack of NHLers. You know, when you have that NHL background and you have you can pull from the NHL and you can put them into a team, that's a completely different game than when you have to like use kind of basically prospects and young guys and figure out like how you can use them the best. Um, so I think that like the NHL was really, or, or I think USA hockey was just reeling from not having that top tier talent pool available. Now I think that they've done the right thing. Uh, I remember looking at the 2018 roster and being so pissed because I was like, these guys suck. All of these guys are trash. Like this is not going to go well. This is not a league. This is not a tournament in which you can go in and just, um, beat people into submission like you have to have like talent you have to do things like score goals and play defense and beat people to pucks on a larger sheet so I am liking this coming out of the NCAA these guys are going to be in well condition uh, uh, and they're going to be able to
1: hopefully do well for us yeah absolutely Um, a lot to be excited about here folks so let's, uh, let's get ready for the Olympics. It's coming up.
0: Yeah. The biggest takeaway here, I'm happy about the change in ideology, the shift in ideology from USA Hockey. Because if they would have come out with another fucking grinder roster of just AHLers who are like career AHLers, I would have been irate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think they, they were probably more prepared for it this time. And, um, they had the sample size of how bad they sucked last time around. <laughs> right. Right. Experience counts. <laughs> yeah. Well, you learn
0: more from losing than winning, right? Yeah. That's what they say. That's what they say. Um, all right. Well, awesome. And, uh, Caps fans, when does the tournament kick
1: off, Polly? Well, uh, the Olympics start on the third. Right. Oh, think- February. Yeah, so I, I think it starts a little later. Yeah, hockey's usually a little bit
0: later, but the Olympics do start on the 3rd, so I was, like, watching it uh, come in. And it starts on the 4th, it looks like, so it's actually oh. right at the beginning. No shit. That's uncommon. Usually, in a, the hockey starts probably midway through the tournament, or through the whole uh, celebration, or whatever you want to call it.
1: Well, I wonder if they did it differently, because they were expecting the NHL. Probably. And the NHL was like we need to get this done
0: quickly. Right, right. Um valid point. Yeah. So they're probably the the committee's probably not changing their schedule cuz that's probably I mean, god. Imagine being the person who has to schedule all the fucking sports and TV times and things. There's probably a 30 man team that does that. Crazy. Um yeah, that'd be brutal. Yeah. Alright, well, Caps fans, if you're interested in, in Olympic hockey, definitely check it out. February 3rd. Uh, looks like the kickoff of the tournament. I always like watching uh, Olympic hockey to see you know, now now anymore, hockey's kind of played worldwide a lot the same. But it's incredibly interesting to, if you watch closely and, and put your phone down and stuff, which I'm guilty of watch, looking at my phone too much during hockey, but Um, you know, watching the different styles of play from country to country is incredibly – it's very, very interesting to see. Like, you know, I feel like at certain points there becomes a shift in in the sophistication of breakouts and travel to the neutral zone. Neutral zone play is really big in in Olympic hockey because it's – you know, it's like the red line because the sheet's larger and there's more freedom it's almost like the red line is the is the opposing team's blue line <clears throat> so you see a lot more action in, in the neutral zone and if you don't you usually you get to see some guys just really wind it up and, and take some take some speed into the net all right Polly good segment anything else
1: uh no let's uh let's go caps this weekend
0: Absolutely, Uh, we talked a lot Hopefully, Caps fans, you are all safe from Snowmageddon 2.0 Or maybe it's not that bad where you're at Uh, We're starting to get the snow today on Sunday So stay safe out there And, you know, of course, if you like listening to us, uh, thank you And if you would go rate us on whatever platform that you do listen to us uh, That'd be great, five stars only
1: Five stars only
0: and until next week on Monday, hopefully we're reporting back to you that Hockey Troll, for the first time in his life ever, was wrong in his zero three prediction. uh, Then we'll we'll I'll, I'll eat crow on that one if the Caps go undefeated. So, I'll with admit, a side of gravy, you might you might witness history here, Caps fans. <laughs> All right, until Monday, Hockey Troll, poly Cupcakes, signing off.
1: Bye.
0: Hey, Caps fans! Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Chirp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and
1: Twitter. And follow me, Polly Cupcakes, at Cupcake Polly on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.
0: And follow the show's handle at Caps Chirp on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And TikTok. special thanks to the hockey podcast network at hockey podnet on social and the hockey podcast network.com the hockey podcast network every team everywhere check them out or we're not friends anymore